Well, good morning, church. It is always good for us to be together. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. And I want to welcome those of you for whom this may be your first Sunday to be with us. Uh, I've met a few brand new people this morning. I can't quite get my mind wrapped around visiting a brand new church during COVID uh, and the masks and all that stuff. And so I, I'm, I'm proud of you. Uh, if this is your first Sunday here, and, and I promise you, as weeks pass and we're able to get more and more back to normal, uh, you'll be able to see more of our faces, uh, and we'll be able to connect and share life together in ways uh, that God empowers and allows us to experience together. Uh, would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for today, for this time that we have to be together for this time that we have to gather together around your throne of grace with confidence, to gather around your table where we're all invited, where we all belong, and to gather around your word. And God, I, I pray that as we, we gather our hearts to listen to what it is that you want to say to us this morning, I pray that you would help each one of us through the power of the Holy Spirit hear exactly what you need us to hear. And God, more than just listening, I pray that you help change us through what you say to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to be continuing this series, this study that, that we've been involved in for the last several weeks on the, the, the story of the Exodus, the book of Exodus. And, and what we've found week after week is that this story It's a story about God bringing freedom to his people. But it also reminds us of the fact that 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 freedom comes at great cost. And it also, at the same time, doesn't guarantee God's people an easy future. It doesn't doesn't offer them a predictable life. And, And that's a struggle for them every step of the way because Because their understanding of freedom is is maybe a life that goes exactly the way they want it to. Where where there's no ups and downs, there's there's no curveballs they have to deal with. They just get to wake up every day and and they're free to do whatever they want to do with their lives. But but God ushers them into a real kind of freedom that involves choices and decisions. It it includes the, the temptation to doubt and question This freedom that God offers them, it's not exactly what they expect. It's it's not a freedom from uncertainty. It's it's not a freedom from challenges. The the freedom that God wants to give us requires patience. That's what this story has been reminding us of. Because it doesn't happen all the way, all at once. It's a journey. It takes time for us to explore it. It takes time for us to experience it. In fact, it takes the rest of of our lives. Now the good news for that, I, I know the bad news is we, we don't really want to ever have to wait for something good to happen, but, but the good news is what that means is however much freedom you and I have already encountered in our lives, the Exodus story, it, it calls us to hold on to the conviction that there's always more freedom to be found. No matter how much we've already experienced God's providential care, there's still more waiting for us in the future. No matter how good or not good it's already been, there are still better days ahead. And that gives us 
a certain kind of hope. It's a hope that we can hold on to. It's a hope that can carry us through all of the unpredictable ups and downs that you and I have to face every single day. Now, by the time you get to the the part of the story that we're going to be focusing on this morning, Exodus chapter 18, Moses and all of the rest of God's people, they have been through a lot. They've been through years and years of slavery. They've been through several months of watching these these threatening and and frightening plagues unfold on on the, the, the nation of Egypt, unfold upon the the most powerful nation on the face of the earth at that time. And and then after watching all of that happen, they're, they're constantly having to wait to see which one of the plagues will finally be enough for Pharaoh to let God's people go. They, they reach that after the plague of the death of the firstborn. Pharaoh says, enough, I've had a, I, can't, I can't take any more, get out of here. So they gather everything together as fast as they can and they race out of Egypt. And then just a little bit after that, they start to hear the sound of Pharaoh's army chasing them down because immediately after he lets them go, Pharaoh says, you know what, I don't really want you to go, I want you to come back. And then they, they have a choice to make because the only way they're going to be able to, to save their lives is to risk their lives by trusting God when he sends this, this wind to part the Red Sea. And so, so they have to decide, do they have enough faith in God to walk together through this narrow strip of dry land between these two liquid walls of water that could collapse on them at any moment. And then when they do find the strength and the courage to trust in God and and go through that narrow passageway, they end up in the barren wilderness. They look around, they're trying to figure out how they're going to take care of themselves, and they realize they can't really take care of themselves. They're going to have to rely. They're going to have to depend every single day on God to be the one who gives them enough water to drink, on God to be the one who's going to give them enough food to eat. God is the only way they're going to stay alive in their brand new lives. The story of the Exodus, it's amazing and and frightening and life-changing and exhausting. This is freedom. And it is far more complicated and complex than they ever expected. And I don't know about you, but it's more complicated and complex than I would ever expect myself. This is what freedom with God feels like. This is what freedom with God means. And they struggle with it. There are times they long for the predictability of the slavery they were in. I mean, it's rough when you wake up every single day and it's a bad day, but you start to know exactly how to navigate a bad day if there's no chance that it's ever going to change. God says, I want to give you a life where where you wake up and you don't know what kind of day you're going to have. Don't you want to have that kind of life? You and I, just like the Israelites, we have to struggle with what that kind of freedom really means and feels like. Well, this morning we find them. They're getting closer and closer to to Mount Sinai, the mountain of the Lord. But they're not quite there yet. And and this journey, it just keeps getting longer and longer, and, and they're getting more and more impatient. And so in the meantime, they end up finding fault with one another. They start to frustrate one another. They start to interact with each other, and it's not going nearly as smoothly as any of them expect. And so they start to fight. 
And isn't that the case so often in our lives when we're forced to wait, we start to fight? You know, it, it comes from, from this place of, you know, it, it's not just are we there yet, but you got to be kidding me. Like, we're all tired of this journey, and you have to do that? We're all weary, and you think that's going to fix things? And, and so they start to come to Moses, their leader, with these disagreements, and he feels like he has to... He has to deal with it. He has to respond to it. He thinks that's his job as their leader. He doesn't want there to be divisions and disagreements among God's people. And so he kind of stops doing everything else. And he just focuses on trying to make sure that they get along. He's, he's going to decide who's right and who's wrong in every single argument that's, that's breaking out in their camp. And, and they are fine with letting somebody else make peace for them. So they just start lining up. You know, they're lining up to, to have Moses decide who's wrong and who's right and who's going to be getting the ruling that they want from the, this case that they bring to him. And he, he's trying his hardest to work through every single situation. But the line is getting longer and longer because once people figure out that somebody else will try to fix their problems for them, sign me up for that. And he, he just can't figure out how to catch up. He can't figure out how he's going to actually get everything done when more and more problems keep happening. Well, one day his father-in-law Jethro comes to visit. He comes to see Moses. And he immediately sees what's happening he sees how overwhelmed and underwater Moses is. He sees how you know, long that line is getting. He sees how restless the people are, how frustrated they are. He sees that Moses isn't able to do anything else. And he decides to have a conversation with his son-in-law that has a lot of opportunity to go wrong. You know, it's always a, a tenuous thing for a father-in-law to take a son-in-law aside and give them some unsolicited advice. But Jethro cares about Moses. He cares about the people Moses has been called to help lead. And so he feels like he's got to say something. He's got to try to get through to his son-in-law who's doing everything he can to do the best job that he can. It's just not happening and there's nobody else who has decided that they're going to go to Moses and point out the obvious. So Jethro is going to take one for the team. If you've got a Bible, open up to Exodus chapter 18, verse 17. We'll read through verse 24. Moses' father-in-law replied. The storyteller in Exodus wants you to know exactly who he is, right? It's not even his name. It's just his father-in-law. What you are doing is not good. That is a challenging start. <laughs> you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I'll give you some advice, and may God be with you. 
You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they're to live and how they're to behave. That's your job, Moses. But select capable men from all the people. Men who honor and respect God. Trustworthy men who are full of integrity. And appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times. But have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they'll share it with you. If you do this and God so commands or God blesses it, right? That's what he means. You will be able to stand the strain. And all these people will go home satisfied. And then the key verse, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. Now, this is a story that we all know. This is a story we know even if we've never heard this particular version of the story before. Because we've all seen this story unfold in real life. In fact, I would argue that we've all lived this story in real life in one way or another, where we're We're trying to do our best to do something that we feel like is really important, but it's just not happening. It's not for lack of of trying. It's not for lack of effort. It's just not happening. And and there's this something about our, our desire to be capable and competent on our own without ever having to ask anyone for help. That's really hard for us to shake. It's really hard for us to be awake to it when it's happening because usually we're so busy trying to accomplish whatever it is we've set out to do, we're not really paying attention to ourselves, how we're doing, whether or not it's taking place the way we, we set out to do it or, or the way we hope it will. And so we're, we, we get so busy, we can't stop for even a second to stand back and look and see Am I doing what I set out to do? Am I being who I'm trying to be? I mean, we think we're pulling it off. We think we're, we're covering it. When there's all these people around us who long ago figured out that we're in over our heads, we're underwater, and we need some other people to pitch in. Now, we don't come up with this idea just all on our own. There are all kinds of voices in our world that suggest to us that as we grow up, as we get older, as we mature, we shouldn't have to need anybody else. We shouldn't have to rely on anybody else. We shouldn't have to depend on anyone else. We should have the strength to stand up on our own own two feet. We shouldn't have to reach out to ask anyone for anything. And when we hear those voices, it's in that very moment that we need someone in our life to speak to us with Jethro's voice, to speak to us the truth that while we may have this this expectation, this pressure, that we can handle anything that comes our way, that we can cover it, that if we set out to do something, we absolutely do it. Well, what happens when it doesn't take place the way 
we want it to. What, what happens when other people around us can see that we're, we're missing the mark and we're not able to get to where we're trying to go? You know, we, we may be working as hard as we possibly can alone, but it isn't actually working and we need help. Think about what Jethro says to his son-in-law. Think about who Jethro has to be in relationship to his son-in-law for Moses to be able to hear it. You know, if Jethro was kind of the the prototypical sitcom father-in-law who's constantly finding fault, who's often criticizing his son-in-law, who who says things that are passive-aggressive that makes Moses feel like he's never going to be good enough for, for his little girl. You know, that kind of stuff. There's no way that this conversation between Jethro and Moses works out. There, there's no way that Moses is able to hear it. So we, we know just from our own experience that when somebody says the kinds of things that Jethro's saying here, it takes... The kind of relationship where there's mutual trust and respect and investment in one another. It's only in that place that that somebody could pull you aside and say, look, I love you. I do. But this isn't good. What you're you're trying to do all all by yourself, it just isn't isn't working. You're not able to keep up and and you're, you're letting people down. And this thing that you've set out to do all by yourself, it's too big of a job for you to do by yourself. In fact, it's too big of a job for anyone to do by themselves. So just admit it. Admit that it's too big of a job for you to do on your own and reach out to some people who are respected, people of integrity and honor, and invite them into it, Moses. They'll be blessed. They'll feel They'll feel honored that you chose them to help, and you'll finally be able to, to catch your breath. Right? What, what Jethro is trying to say to Moses, and I think what we're overhearing by listening to the conversation, is something we all need to hear, and it's this, that you're not the only person God can work through. In fact, you're not the only person God wants to work through. So share the struggle. Ask for some help. Ask for some help. You know, we all need somebody who can remind us that we need to invite people into what it is we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish, because it's the only way it's actually going to get done, and it is the only way that we're going to be able to stand the strain. To stand the strain. We all need someone to say something like this to us in the moments when we're, we're struggling the most, to make any progress, to, to be able to take any sustained steps forward. We all need someone like Jethro. But here's the other side of the story. We all need to respond the way Moses does in this moment. He finds a way to truly listen Right? He, he, he finds a way to hear Jethro's heart, and he takes it to heart. You know, Moses, 
He knows that Jethro isn't trying to criticize him. He's, he's trying to rescue him. And so Moses' response is not to get defensive. It's to admit to himself something that he's been running from, which is he's dependent. Instead of refusing Jethro's advice, and again, it's unsolicited. Moses wasn't walking around asking people, you know, do you have any insight into how I'm failing? But he, he listens. He, he receives it. And more than that, he applies it. Now, I wish I could tell you that's exactly how I respond when someone tells me that they can clearly see that I need help. But here, I'll just be confessional to you this morning. I don't know where it comes from, probably from my personality, probably from my my family of origin, Uh, But if somebody comes up, it doesn't matter how friendly they are, if they say something along the lines of, hey, I think you could really use some help. I hear that as you're obviously not getting it done. And so instead of embracing that at first, my knee-jerk reaction to somebody offering me help is to feel like, well, I'm, I'm... publicly stumbling here and I'm failing here and this is just the person who is brave enough to say something about it. And I get defensive. And I start to think, well, maybe I am doing what I set out to do. I'm just failing to do what you think I should be doing. And then if that doesn't work and I have to admit, yeah, you've got a point. I'm not actually reaching the goals that that we're all trying to reach together here, and I've just decided I'm going to do it all by, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and just get this done. If I can't convince myself that you're wrong, you know what I feel in that moment? Embarrassment. Because I don't want to need your help. Right, just like Moses, I, I want to take care of it on my own, by myself. I don't want to burden you with it. I, I don't want to, want to dump it on you. I, I don't want to have to admit that I have set out to do something and it has gotten so much more difficult or challenging or complex that it's obvious that I just simply can't do this on my own. I don't, I don't want to deal with any of that. I feel like no matter what, I should be able to handle it. I should be able to cover it. I should be able to say to somebody who offers me help, look, I, I've got it and mean it. Having to ask for help, having to accept help, for me, it just feels like a sign of weakness. It feels like an admission of defeat. I guess what I need to tell you is having to ask for or accept help feels like shame. But that's, that's the opposite of the truth, isn't it? Because the truth is, and Exodus 18 reminds us of it, the truth is That it's only when we ask for help or accept help that we can be strong. It's only then that that we can escape defeat. It's only then that we're really going to be set free from the shackles of shame. Needing help is not a human defect. It's a God-given human design. 
You weren't intended to make it through your own life all on your own. You and I, we were were created by God for community, to need community. We were created for relationships. I mean, the first observation after God creates humans and then says, this is very good, he looks at Adam all by himself and says, it's not good. For a human being to be all alone, to try to get through their own life by themselves. It's not what God wants. It's not what God intends. We are created for relationship. We were created to need relationship. Relationships where we really and we truly share life. The joys and the sadness, the victories and the losses. The hope and the grief and everything in between. You and I were created to need one another. And honestly, it's the only good enough reason for us to tolerate and put up with one another in those moments when we want to give up and walk away from each other. Right? Haven't you been hurt before? Haven't you been in a situation, in a relationship where you just think, you know what? I don't need this. And I don't need this person, or I, I don't need these people, or I don't, I don't need the, the messiness. I, I don't need to have to try to relate to somebody who, who's just as imperfect as I am, and so we end up hurting one another when, when we're, we're not wanting to. We end up betraying one another because we're afraid that we're not going to have the, the version of life that we desperately want more than anything else. There are all kinds of reasons for us to never get in relationships with other people except for the fact that God created us to desperately need relationships with other people. That's not a burden. It's a gift. It's it's not a defect. It's by design. And so we hold on to one another. When there are absolutely times when it would be easier to let go. We keep our promises to one another. Even when it's so tempting to walk away from those commitments because of what they're going to cost us. We hold on to one another because it's how God made us. You and I know that when we give up on one another, if we can't find a way to actually authentically really share life with each other, that the life we have outside of that kind of relationship or community, it's it's a life that isn't nearly as deep or as good or as meaningful as we're supposed to have. And and we absolutely know this. We, We sense it deep in our souls. I need you. You need me. It's how God made us, and it's, it's a part of the mission that God gives us. See, we're, we're called by God to do things we simply can't do on our own. That's not by accident. It's on purpose. We're called into something, right? God says, 
I want to call you into this family. I want to call you into these relationships with one another. And it doesn't just end there. I'm calling you. This is what, what God is hoping for when he sets the people free from bondage to slavery in Egypt. And he's going to take them through the Red Sea and through the wilderness. And he's going to take them to his mountain. And, and if you've ever heard the story before, you know the next thing is he's going to give them his law. He's going to give them loving words of advice about the best way to live life from the author of life. It's, it's words that we can trust. It's words we really can build our lives on. But that's not even the end. He wants the whole world to be able to witness this contrast community, this family that's different from every other family on the face of the earth, this family that trusts God, knows what he's talking about, and lives the way God says, this is how I hope you'll live. And God says, if you'll do that as a community, you'll draw all people to you, to that place, so that they can learn how to live the way you're living. That's what God's hoping for as he calls his people out of slavery and into freedom. It's never just about them. It's about everyone on the face of the earth. And what that means then is that we... We're not only created for community, but we're called to community. And if we try to break away from it, if we try to go our own way, if we think always that we know better than any, anyone else and that, that we can just stand on our own two feet, if we try to do what God has asked us to do on our own by ourselves, brothers and sisters, we will fail every single time. I need you. You need me. We need God. It's that simple. And you and I need to find a way to embrace this truth so that we can find the strength to embrace one another even when things aren't going perfectly or smoothly or just the way we want them to go among us. I, uh, I hit a wall this week. A lot of reasons for that. Uh, the last year and a half uh, has been the most uncertain, unpredictable season of my life. I'm guessing I'm not the only person in the room. It's, it's hard to do ministry from six feet wearing a mask. It's hard to feel connected the way God wants us to feel connected as a church when we can't gather together the way we used to. It all feels twice as hard and half as good. Doesn't it? And then if, you know, a pandemic wasn't enough, we had to have a polar vortex. And then the worst thing of all is Mark. And, and throughout all of the last several months, right, through this year and a half, the worst thing about it, because of the nature of this pandemic, is, is I felt really isolated. I think we've all struggled with that. You know, and as much as I love Lauren and Riley and Reese, I need more than three people to make it. I didn't know that, but I know it now. 
I need you, and you need me, and we need God together. And I hit a wall where I, I just realized that I had arrogantly tried to act as if I don't have God-given limitations And I'm telling you, a key part of what it means to be a human being is limitations. It's it's what makes us different from God. It's what Adam and Eve are actually trying to deny when they reach out for that forbidden fruit where, you know, the the snake says to them, hey, you can be like God and you can know everything. That, That temptation is you don't have to be limited. And 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 through technology, you and I are experiencing the anxiety that it creates where you can open up your phone and go to, to a social media website and you can learn more in 20 minutes than people used to learn in their whole lives about what's wrong and messed up in this world and all of the ways people are hurting and failing one another. And, and you can read things that are happening half a world away that you can't actually do anything about. And you start to get overwhelmed because we weren't created to try to hold all of that in our heart at the same time and still be okay. Our limits aren't defects. They're there by design. It's on purpose that we need one another because if we didn't need one another, I think we would walk away from one another far too often. I had a wall. I realized I've been trying to do everything that I was facing and, and working through all on my own. And I mean, I've been working, it just isn't working. It's not like I, I planned it that way. I, I didn't set out to fail. I didn't set out to try to fix every problem around me without inviting anyone else into what I'm trying to do. But this, this week I had to face the truth that I can't be everywhere I want to be and I can't do everything I want to do and I can't fix everyone I want to fix, least of all myself. And when I try to do all those things and be all those places and reach all of those people, I fail to be who God is calling me to be. I fail to do what God is calling me to do. And do you know how I realized that I'd hit a wall? I'd love to tell you it's because I figured it out on my own. It's not how it typically works. You need a Jethro. You need people who who you trust and respect, people around you who see that you've been burning the candle at both ends, you're getting to the place where there's no candle left. You've been doing it so long, it's like, I don't know how else to describe it, but it's like I didn't, re- I thought I was making progress, like I was walking across firm land, but it was like every step, I, it was like an endless field of, of quicksand, where I thought I could walk, but then I start falling beneath the surface, and then something would happen, and I convince myself, oh, okay, I'm going to try it again, I'm going to try it again. You, get, you can't walk very far while you're sinking. I figured out I hit a wall when the people closest to me reached out to me and said, can I help you? You need help. You need extra hands. You, you need... You need us to join you in this. 
And I didn't initially enjoy any of those conversations. Because I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm in denial. I kind of live in denial of how much I need other people. I don't know what church is for if you don't think you need other people. I mean, other than the fact that you have to put up with them and they annoy you and you wish that they could be more like you and agree with you and think just like you and we'd all have, like, in other words, church would just be this thing where we're all the same all the time and there's never any disagreements. That's, I guess that'd be a church of robots. It wouldn't be a church of human beings. We need each other. That's why we come to church. That's why we're a part of church. Because we can't be who God is calling us to be without help. We can't do what God is asking us to do without help. And, and I think what Jethro helped Moses see was, first of all, his own limitations. But then he helped him lift his eyes up from the problem in the community to see the potential in the community. To say, there's other good people of integrity and honor in this place. Stop thinking you're the only person that God can use. Thank God you're not the only person God can use. And I don't know how I think it was a gift from God that I was able to hear those people's hearts and take it to heart. I thank God I didn't get defensive like I normally do or run away from it like I normally do. I think I'm too tired to run away. I need you. You need me. We need God together. So let's do our best to accept that truth. Let's, let's do our best to really be there for one another, to pull for one another, to not try to find fault, to not squabble, squabble about whether or not we're getting our way. I can promise you, if there's two people in a room, someone's not always going to get their way. But let's, let's do our best to, to actually be family for one another. You know, church, so often we reach for that metaphor as we talk about community uh, in the body of believers. I don't want that to just be some metaphor we use or something we would put on a postcard because we think it's good marketing. I want it to be the gospel truth among us that we're family. You know, and the best and worst thing about family is you don't get to ask anyone to leave. It's the most challenging thing about family. I mean, that strange uncle still gets to come to Thanksgiving. And it's still Thanksgiving. Right? That, that sister that you've had an argument with or that brother that you, you, you don't know how to connect with, they're, they're still going to be there. And you know that, that sometimes we let the anxiety of imperfect relationships drive us away from family. I don't want it to just be some word we're tossed around carelessly. Are we really brothers and sisters because we relate to one another through the blood of Christ or not? Let's do our best to actually be a community of grace and belonging, of second chances and new beginnings. I guess what I'm really just saying is in a world where people are constantly finding new ways to withhold themselves from each other, let's not do that here. Let's not withhold ourselves from each other because I can promise you this. God, our Father, the creator of life, who tells us the best way to move through life, he never withholds himself from us. Never. 
I've had to come to terms with this. I am not what this church needs. We are, with God's help. I'm not what this world needs. We are, with God's help. That's a blessing. It's not a burden. It's a gift. It's not a problem. I need you, and you need me, and we need God, and the world needs us. We're going to sing together in a moment, Dan, if you'll join me on stage. As we do, I just, I want you to think about someone in your life that you have a relationship with who you know needs help. And find the courage this week to speak with the voice of Jethro. Find a way. Don't just go to anybody, and certainly don't go to somebody who you don't yet have enough relationship with for them to be able to hear it, okay? I don't want 15 new emails before I get home. I know I need help. I've had plenty of offers. I'll let you know there'll be other times I need more help. I promise, okay? Someone you have a loving, trusting relationship with, tell them, I love you. I care about you. Let me walk with you through this. Let me help you find other people to help you through this because we were made for community and we're called to community. May we answer that call together. Let's stand and sing.